It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Your host, Charlie Potter, here on WGN Radio. And if there's a little bit of background noise this morning, I'm sorry. I'm on location. I am not at the studio. But I am not, definitely not, where I'm going to start the first topic of the show on a story that I think is just so unbelievable. If you are not alarmed by what I'm going to tell you or intrigued, I'll be surprised. I'm going to talk about something that we would have thought absolutely impossible not that long ago. How about the headline grabbing, Wildflower Blooms Again After 30,000 Years on Ice? I'm not making this up. In the Journal of Nature, it has been reported, and it is now true, been fact-checked, that as the permafrost has been melting in certain parts of the Arctic, Areas that were under permafrost for actually, yes, tens of thousands of years, in some cases hundreds of thousands of years, are now accessible to the tools of modern technology. This is where they found fruits ordered by ancient ground squirrels that are giving life to prehistoric plants. This is not science fiction. This is actually real. During the last ice age, the Earth's northern reaches were covered by ice. In fact, as we know, most of North America was covered by ice. When that ice age retreated, grasslands were roamed by woolly mammoths. They were roamed by huge rhinoceroses. They were roamed by longhorn bison. This is an ecosystem that panthologists call the mammoth steppe. It vanished 13,000 years ago when the last ice age came in. So 14,000 years ago and beyond, the world was warm. Talk about global warming. There was no ice 14,000 years ago and, and perhaps earlier. And we know this because of the fossils we are now finding buried under the permafrost of the Arctic, and they have been buried for over 13,000 years. So what happened? A plant has been resurrected. This is, this is absolutely true. A plant has been resurrected by a team of Russian scientists who trapped a treasure trove of fruits and seeds buried some 30,000 years ago by ground squirrels and they were preserved in the permafrost. The plant is by far the most ancient plant ever revived. The previous record holder seems like paltry by, by comparison. It was a seed from roughly 2,000 years ago. So buried some 30,000 years ago in the ground by squirrels, some kind of prehistoric squirrel when the woolly mammoths roamed the continent and the world, was this flower. And this flower, well, it looks a little bit, this is radio, so there's no visual. No, it looks a little bit like a daisy. 
maybe somewhat like an orchid. The squirrel burrows, they found 70 squirrel burrows in all. Now, this, this isn't been, this is 30,000 years ago these things lived. And they were found on the banks of the lower Kolmai River in northeastern Siberia, buried some 30, buried some 60 to 100 feet below the current surface of the tundra. And these, this find, which they dug through the permafrost to get, was surrounded by the bones of mammoths and other creatures. Some of the burrows contain hundreds of thousands of fruit and flower seeds that have been completely preserved by the cold, dry environment of the permafrost. Permafrost makes it so there's no oxygen of any kind that can get below it. And when there's no oxygen, things cannot deteriorate. They, they are mummified. These researchers have now grown this plant, this flower, not only once, but they got the flower to make seeds, and they have grown another flower. I am not making this up. It's in the Journal of, of Nature. So the scientist who did this, unfortunately, for the Russian Academy of Sciences Institute of uh, Psychochemicalology, I can't even pronounce the word, pardon me, and biological problems in soil science, unfortunately passed away. The individual who did this passed away last week, but he and his colleagues took samples of the tissue from these prehistoric plants and fruits, and they have now actually grown these plants in laboratories. The question is, do we really want to do this? I'm not going to judge it yes or no. I'm just saying this is, you talk about science fiction. This means that if we can bring back plants that have been gone for 30,000 years, we can bring back other things that have been gone. Can we go get the DNA of these woolly mammoths? And can we recreate the woolly mammoths? I, I don't know. Are we going to bring back squirrels that lived in this age that they was before the last ice age. Again, the headline was wildflower booms again after 30,000 years on ice. It's unbelievable. So I leave you with this thought or question. We're going to bring back plants, apparently, as the permafrost potentially weakens and, and areas become exposed, which it offers all kinds of other issues to the world, we're going to find things that have been buried for 30,000 or more years, and we're going to try to bring them back to life. We might be bringing back to life certain organisms that we have no ability to deal with. I'm not talking about woolly mammoths taking over the world again. That, that, that I don't think is going to happen. But what if we bring back some kind of viruses or something that have been dead, buried in the permafrost from... 30,000 years ago, and these viruses get into a lab. And again, this is nothing to do with the Great Outdoors show, but I'm just asking. Humans have no way to deal with these viruses. So we're bringing back plants that in a lab that have been gone for 30,000 years. We're going to try to bring back some animals. We're going to might bring back squirrels. I don't know where this is going, but this is no longer science fiction. This is real. It's actually happening. And it's happening before our own eyes. 
scientists, obviously, a lot of them quoted in this article and this whole story and concept, they are so excited. This is their life's work. All of a sudden, they can do something that's never been done in the history of man. And I sit here as a layman talking to you this morning, just somebody like you who reads this stuff, and I wonder, have we taken science fiction too far? I mean, maybe are we going to bring back, if we find the Labrador duck buried somewhere, that would be kind of cool, if we found the Labrador duck buried somewhere under the permafrost, or if we found the passenger pigeon somewhere buried under the permafrost. It's possible. Could we bring them back? Can we bring other species back from extinction? It's really a question of ethics. And it's also a question of where is all this going? And my guess is it's going a lot faster than we can deal with it. Technology is surging in these areas. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we woke up pretty soon and were introduced to a squirrel that lived more than 30,000 years ago. But I'm all in favor of the Labrador duck and passenger pigeon, for those of you interested. Bringing them back would be really cool. Because after all, they weren't gone 30,000 years ago. They were, they were gone just a couple generations ago for humans. I'll be back and much more on the Great Outdoors show. When I do, I'm going to talk about nitrogen loads and something that's happening that is incredibly interesting and also incredibly hopeful for the future of our water. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America. 720 WGN. I'll be back and much more in just a minute. First, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. This is Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thanks so much for listening, and we're going to move from the prehistoric age of wildflowers blooming after having been under ice for 30,000 years, and we're going to move to another kind of blooming, and that's the blooming of nitrogen in our rivers, which is killing fish and also, frankly, is not very good for us, killing all kinds of things. We think of the nitrogen loads in the Illinois, the Mississippi, the Ohio, the Missouri, the Kaskaskia, the Sangamon River, every single river you can think of where agriculture and human waste is going into these rivers and causing these incredible nitrogen loads. But there's a nitrogen load occurring in another part of the country that could actually be setting the precedent for what is going to happen and how we're going to deal with it. It's coming out of Idaho, of all places, and it's coming from the mega dairies and the huge mega feedlots that have taken hold in Idaho. And they've taken hold in Idaho... In the last 25 years, really, last 20 in a lot of cases, 
as dairy farmers and the big feedlots moved out of California because the regulations became too stiff, the land became so valuable, and a lot of them came to the Snake River Valley in Idaho, a relatively pristine area where land prices were still relatively cheap, comparatively so, and these huge feedlots, Simplot, the largest uh, producer of meat in the, I think, the world, on the planet, uh, has now been sued because they are violating the Clean Water Act. And this is a precedent-setting suit. I have some history in southern Idaho and the Snake River, as a, some of you may know, have listened to me for a number of years. The Snake River in Idaho, of course, before all the dams went in, was a river filled with steelhead and salmon and trout and was part of the whole Colombian Basin, incredibly rich ecosystem. And the Shoshone Indians and other Indian tribes, well, that's where they lived in the winter and also in the summer, and they caught prodigious numbers of fish. And as recently as the 1950s, there still were steelhead and salmon making it up almost all the way to Twin Falls and Twin Falls, Idaho, 700, 800 miles from the ocean and the longest andronomous fish run in the world. That's all gone. Those fish have been replaced by carp, by, by some cases bass, by warm water fish species as these dams have gone up and, of course, blocked the, the migration of fish. But what these dams enabled was the irrigation of the American West. We've talked about that a bit. And I won't go too detailed into that now. But these dams have created, slowed down the river and in a lot of places just created backwater lakes. Enter Simplot and others. I'm not focusing on Simplot, but they, they're the ones being sued, who now have huge agricultural operations not that far from the Snake River, in this case a mile and a half from the Snake River. And the water from these, the, the waste from these huge, intensive agricultural operations is leaching into the ground, of course, and then it's going into the Snake River. And there's also direct runoff. So... In Idaho, they're being sued to say, you can't do this. It's a violation of the Clean Water Act. If that case in Idaho is successful, then it could change the entire game for how nitrogen loads in our rivers are going to be managed. Because if Simplot is found to be culpable, violating the Clean Water Act, then there are lots of other people who are culpable of violating the Clean Water Act by having the nitrogen from their wastewater treatment plants and from farm fields leach into our rivers. The whole system could change. I am not a litigious person. Those of you who listen to me for the past now 23 years know. I like to find solutions without lawsuits. Agriculture is a cornerstone of America. But I think we all have to recognize we've got to do a better way. We just have to be better at managing our nitrogen loads that are coming into our rivers, or we're going to end up with not only undrinkable water, we're going to end up with E. coli bacteria breakup, which you're already seeing breakouts that kill people. And, of course, we've got the hypoxic zone in the Gulf of Mexico, a death zone where, much like permafrost, there is no oxygen, so nothing can live in it. You can't live in, under permafrost. There's no oxygen. You can't live in a hypoxic zone. The hypoxic zone is directly caused by nitrogen loads. In the Midwest, we have just phenomenal loads in our rivers of nitrogen. 
completely unhealthy loads, and we're beginning to try to manage it, and we'll have a lot more on that in the coming years as we talk about how we manage our tiling system and how we can do things that reduce the amount of nitrogen going into our rivers. But if Idaho's suit is successful and Simplot is found to be guilty of the Clean Water Act, it's a game changer because it's the federal Clean Water Act. It's not a state Clean Water Act. And the, and, the, and the the arms of that lawsuit will make a lot of trial lawyers very happy because there's going to be precedent, and there's billions and billions and billions of dollars at stake here. Plus, it would change the way we fundamentally uh, farm in America. So it's very complex, but it started. And eventually it'll get to, of course, the Environmental Protection Agency and other things like that. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week in the great outdoors. And next week when I come back, I do want to talk about a couple things quickly next week. Plastics in our oceans. Also, I want to talk about some really upbeat things that are happening potentially with the Farm Bill, which could be such a great benefit to people across America. Thanks for listening. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America. 720 WGN.